Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by Peter Eric Nival, a passionate Scandinavian entrepreneur and co-founder of ASM Sales and Marketing. From starting in an Oslo apartment to achieving a million dollar revenue in just a year, Peter's journey is a testament to resilience and vision. He's not just a business strategist. He's a risk taker, a sales enthusiast, and a mentor. With Maria, his life partner, he's authored The Freedom Strategy, Guiding Infopreneurs in Digital Marketing. Having worked with global speakers and faced business challenges head-on, Peter truly embodies the spirit of entrepreneurship. I've asked him to join us here today to share his inspiring story and learn from his vast experience. So, Peter, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. How are you? I'm great, and thank you for inviting me. I'm super excited about this. So Yeah, yeah. yeah good. So, Let's start at the beginning. How did you even get into sales and marketing and entrepreneurship? Do you come from a family of business owners? Is this like a family trade? Both yes and no. So my both my parents, when I grew up, was farmers. But when I was eight years old, they decided to leave the farm and sell it. So I was asked if I if they think I will take over the farm any any time in the future. And I said, no, I don't think so. So that was, uh, so since that um, day, I've been not entrepreneurs, but one thing that my father learned, teach me early phase was to start to work. I already think when I was six years old, I was, uh, I was helping him on the farm. And, and also I got my first job when I was 12, that was going with a newspaper. That time, or that, um, you need to be 13 in Norway to go with a newspaper when I lived there. But oh, okay. uh, we did that deal, so we, I already started when I was 12. And after that, I, so I think what I got from my father was really learn how to work, like yeah, hustle, do stuff. And with the sales thing, I think my sales gene or my sales passion for sales come when I was, I think I was just 12 or 10 years old. I started to sell these pins on the street for a Red Cross or something. And it was a competition in the school. And the guy was, or the person was going to sell most one on a big bag with a full of football equipment. And I was like, and I was just turned on. I really enjoyed it to just knock doors and talk with people because I love people. That's right. So after that, after that, I, to be honest, just been a, a sales guy and also marketing, but sales is my super skills. So, yeah. Got it. That's fantastic. I love that. And a lot of the highly successful CEOs do have a background in door-to-door sales. It's either door-to-door or telemarketing. It's it's that face-to-face, kneecap-to-kneecap, belly-to-belly conversation with a lot of people helping you, you know, like generate conversations and contracts and the contacts into contracts. That's a really powerful skill to have. So you won, it sounds like you worked really hard. Did you get the backpack? No, I didn't. I think I ended on the third place, but I was competing with, (laughs) that doesn't matter, but I was competing with uh, uh, girls and guys on 15 and I was like 10 or something. But uh, anyway, I I tried really hard. I had my grandmother together with me and we was knocking doors day after day. And I said, I want to win this bag, but 14 or 15. So I know I didn't win that. But that's anyway. fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. So what happened next? 
Next, when it comes to sales, I started, as you said, a lot of doing telemarketing. So I started to sell telemarketing and I was selling magazines on phone and yeah, all kind of book, books on phone. And I was selling all kind of things like that. And, and, and I think like when I was 21 or 22, I got a sales job. I was going to sell marketing on screen. So like this, before it was on shopping center, this screen where you can go up and down and you can... Yeah, you can see some advertising for some shops at, at the shopping center. So I started to sell that and I get a really good sales manager. I loved him, but uh, then he was promoted. So he got the promotion to be the CEO in the company. And I got a guy who was around 60, like the new sales manager. And the first thing he was saying, I have been the best salesperson in Norway. I'm 65 years old. I'm retired, but I'm still really good in sales. And then he throw the keys on the table or shows that he had a Porsche. And this was like, and then he was going to teach me sales and, and in a the opposite way that I really believed him. It was more like uh, hard pushing sales. And I didn't believe in that. I believed to build relationship. So I think I handled this guy for three months and then I just get, then I just stopped working there. And I decided for myself, this is the last time in my life I'm going to have a job. I'm going to work for myself the rest of my life. And uh, that was when I was 22, 21. And since that, I have been being an entrepreneur and making my own money. Yeah. And, and today I'm 45. So it's, yeah, over half of my life, I've been an entrepreneur now. So I love that. I love that. So what would you recommend to someone starting out or struggling in sales? Because, and I ask sales because for a lot of people, especially even if they're starting a business, they got to learn to sell their own product first. So what would you recommend to someone starting out or struggling? Oh, I think yeah, the biggest challenge people have about sales, they're thinking about this. They say, I don't want to be a pushy salesperson or right. I don't want to manipulate people or I don't want to do that. And I think everything comes from, they have a bad experience, even if they go to a shop and try, someone tried to manipulate them or they get a phone call or this, and they never remind these beautiful, amazing sales salespeople that have helped them out there. But this, you look at that like customer service and not like sales. If you go to a shop and, and you ask uh, the person in uh, a clothes shop, or should I buy the black or the green jeans? Or the green is much better on you. And they're thinking like, wow, that was a great person. Or maybe they say even better, you should buy both because both is great on you. And I'm like, oh, thank you for saying that because I really want to buy both. So, you know, when you, when you have this great salespeople, you don't look at it like sales. And I think that's the biggest challenge people have with sales. They're just remind, remember themselves about this bad experience. And sales is really, it's, it's relationship building. That's why I love sales. That's why I never go away from it because I love to meet new people. Mm. And I think that's that's one of the things like, and also, for example, I am teaching people sales and marketing funnels and all these things. And, and I try to remind, remind people about if they come so long that they contact you or they send you an email or they do something, they're really interested in a product. It's not like a cold list. It's not like you're not manipulating someone who don't have a need. And I think you always need to think about the need in front instead of uh, thinking about, oh, I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to sell. Call people so many times. And one of the things that maybe is what I'm really good at and also what I think sales or entrepreneurs are really bad at all over is following up. Because mm. we think mm. about following mm. up. If I'm following up, say that you are interested in my product, I'm following up. I'm not doing that because I want to push into it. I'm just, I think like the relationship really start when someone say I'm interested, but maybe they'd say no in the first, first time. Here's how it is with you, man. 
I can say no to something today because I'm busy, I'm stressed, I'm something going on. And I still have a need for a product. So tomorrow I can say yes again. So if you just take a no, like a no, you're just missing out so many opportunities. And, yeah. and I know from myself, people are coming to me and saying, one of the things that make me, why I want to buy from you, Petrarch, is you're so great at following up because they look at it like a customer uh, service experience and mm. not like pushing into a sales. So it's, so think about this. If you, I know that you're also working kind of with sales funnel. So let's say someone are coming into a sales funnel and they, for example, join a webinar, watch a video with you, get some free content, get something like, I'm thinking like, wow, Daryl, he's a really good guy. And then, and then they maybe book a sales call with you or they contact you or whatever. And then they have a sales call with you and they say, no, I'm not interested now. And after a sales call, you're not doing anything. They will think, oh, this guy just wants to sell me something. He's not interested in it. I right. felt, and I felt right. like he was really interested, but now he's dead. He's not there anymore. Oh, that was I thought. He's just like a pushy salesperson. So it's like the opposite of what we believe. We believe that we should not push after, but that's where the customer service and how you can build a deeper relationship. So yeah. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. The anytime I do any sort of marketing or sales, there's always a minimum of three follow-up steps. A minimum. I, I think the stats show it takes up to 12 before a lot of it's seven to twelve before 80% of people buy. Have you, do you know Dr. Seuss? Did you read any Dr. Seuss books growing up? They're children's books. They're no, in, in the West, there's a famous one called Green Eggs and Ham. And it's a children's book, but I think it's just, it's a sales Bible. He's, do you want to eat green eggs and ham? And the guy goes, no, Sam, I am. I do not want to eat green eggs and ham. And he goes, try them. You may like them. Will you try them here? Try them there. And he's, no, Sam, I won't try them anywhere. And the book just goes on and on. He's, will you try them in a house? Will you try them with a mouse? He's, no, I will not try them in a house. I will not try them with a mouse. He's, what about in a boat with a goat? And it does, the whole book is just him like, would you on a train in the rain? Like, it's just this. And then finally he's, fine, Sam, I will try your green eggs and ham. And then he takes a bite and he's, I love green eggs and ham. I will <laughs> eat them with a mouse. I will eat them in a house. I will eat them. And he's, thank you, thank you, Sam, I am. Because what you said is when somebody helps you, like when you see the salesperson that you bought from and you're walking down the street, you greet them. You're happy to see them. But mm. when you see a sales rep that tried to force you into a decision you didn't feel comfortable about, you cross the street. You like avoid them. And so mm. you mentioned the key thing is follow up, build relationships, and it's a customer service thing. Yeah, I love that so much. For people that are starting out and struggling, that is fantastic advice where it's not about you. I was really shocked when I was getting my training that it's not even about you or the product. They don't want to buy your seminar. They don't want to buy your workshop. They don't want to buy your widget. They, they don't care about what you've got, but they care about them and their problems. So what you have to do is you have to figure out a way to get the conversation about them on the situation your product deals with. If you're a hairstylist, right? Well, your hair looks great. Did you get a haircut? No, I didn't. Oh, you're right. I see some split ends. Are you, do you use conditioner? What do you do? Like, how often do you get your hair cut? What do you, how do you feel about your hair? And then you would just simply be like, would you be interested in getting, like maybe getting some work done? Yeah. Okay. Well, and now you can talk about your thing, but two thirds of that is all, is all them. That's such a great tip. That's such great advice you gave. So what happened? You started working for yourself 
And you've been doing it for 23 years, it sounds like. Yeah, so the first thing I started, so I'm originally a computer technical guy. So I took a computer education. So I started a, I started with selling, and this is back when uh, we didn't have uh, cloud uh, services and all these things. So I started to sell servers for, um, I think it was mostly ship brokers, but I also sold it for small businesses. I set up uh, computers and uh, computer service systems for small companies like this. Mm. Um, and I did that for six, seven years. And uh, But to be honest, like the three, four last year, I just hated it because I didn't have passion for computers anymore. And I went to my first Tony Robbins event in 2002, I think, 2003. And uh, I think that totally changed my life. So I started to bring people to Tony Robbins in London because he had a yearly UPW event there. And I did it without making money. It was just like, ugh, if someone come up to me and saying, oh, I have a problem with relationship, I have a problem with my business, I have a problem with whatever it was. I say, yeah, join me on a Tony Robbins event. And uh, and they say, oh, what is that? Oh, yeah, I said, you don't need to know anything more. Just join me. That's all. <laughs> and <laughs> what is the cost? And it's a yeah, thousand bucks or something. And I say, yeah, but it's money back guarantee. If you don't like it, you get the money back. Oh, how long is it? What is it? I said, you don't need to know, know it. Just come there. If you don't like it, you'll get the money back. I will personally give you the money back. And, and I was doing this for four or five years and I started to be more and more interested in personal development and doing computer stuff. So I decided to start to bring in international speakers to Scandinavia, like personal development and business development. I started with that in 2010 and yeah, we brought over speaker like, yeah, maybe you know them, like John Gray, like Mena from Minas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Brent Bouchard we brought over. Oh, no way. Darren Hardy. Yeah, yeah, I I'll met Darren. Good. I actually went hiking with Darren. He gave me, so Darren Hardy is the founder of Success Magazine. He also owns all of John Jim Rohn's intellectual property. Jim That's Rohn good. is the godfather of personal development. Tony Robbins actually juniored and interned with Jim Rohn. So Jim Rohn would do his personal development seminars and Tony was like 17 and got hired to work sales at the back. And, yeah. and Darren Hardy actually gave me his own favorite of Jim Rohn's cassette tapes and signed it. We went on a long hike for a mutual friend's birthday that day. That was great. That was really good. Good to yeah. talk. To yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. Yeah. yeah, and we brought over a lot of speakers. And and to be honest, we was growing too fast. And I figured out that it's a really hard business to be in the promoting speakers because it was, if I look back now, it was a, not a good deal what we were doing because we were doing a profit share. But we didn't think about that. We had all the marketing and all the sales costs, and we was going to split 50-50 or 60-40 or something with the speakers. So mm -hmm. the speaker made a lot of money, but we yeah, we didn't make so much money and it was growing too fast. And so in 2013, 14, we went bankrupt with that company. Uh, but I think we had 100 events per year and we have uh, yeah, all kind of speakers, T.R. Ecker, like a lot of Marianne Willemsen. We had so many speakers over to Scandinavia. And then I figured out that, okay, since I was 20 years, I hated to be in office, to be honest. And the biggest deal when it comes to sales, I'd done from a beach, I'd done it from an airport, I'd done it from a coffee bar, I'd done it from a restaurant. I'd done it when I'm feeling free. And that's how I work like best, like when I'm working. So I figured out that, and also Maria, my girlfriend, we want to move to a warmer place. And we was thinking about, okay, so what can we do 
for making money if we move to a beach or something and of course the first thing was like creating a bar but that was i don't want to be that because then i'm yeah. still location i need to be yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so people started to tell me like Patrick, you're so good in sales. This is back in 2013. Why don't you create a sales course? And I'm just saying all the things I know in sales, it's just everyone knows it. Everyone is speaking about it. It's not like I don't have the magic pill. It's just <laughs> so I cannot teach anyone because for me, it's like everything I'm doing in sales is so natural for me. I don't need to think about anything. It's just like natural conversation, like getting to know people, helping them to solve a problem. So I started to, after someone convinced me, I started to do sales courses and I started to do sales coaching and the client, I'd get incredible results. And I started to believe in myself that I was a good sales trainer. So I did a lot of physical thing, but again, I want to move to a warmer country. So I was thinking, how can I, what can I do with this? And we decided to start selling it like an online course, online program. So I started to sell a sales course back in 2015, I think it was, and um, and uh, Maria, my girlfriend, started to sell copywriting course because she's a really good copywriter. Uh, and before we had sold our first course, or at least I sold my first course, I got someone contacting me and saying, Patrick, how do you create online courses? How do you create, how do you do Facebook ads? How do you do this thing? And I say, I'm just a beginner. So don't ask me, find someone more professional. And they say, yeah, but I want to work with you because I know you from before. I know that you are skilled. I know you can say some marketing. So I started to get clients on how to, how to make a funnel, how to do this marketing stuff before I nail it by myself. So step by step, I went away from doing sales, real sales courses to more and more teaching yeah, sales and marketing online for coaches and consultants. And that's what we're doing today. And one also thing I had in mind when I started up again was like, I don't want any employee anymore because I was fed up with it. One thing that I'm not a good manager or I'm better now. I need to say I'm better manager now. But back then, I just look at myself like entrepreneur. I'm this chaotic guy who have a lot of ideas who are just running around. And all my team, they don't understand where I'm running because I'm running so fast. So I figure out that, okay, let's keep this business small, just Maria and me. And then we use Facebook as like the salesperson and we don't need any stuff. Uh, and we did that for one year, but I'm ambitious. So I start to be bored. So I start to build a team again. Yeah. Uh, you don't scale either. One person no. doesn't scale. No. So step by step today, we are, yeah, we have 13 people, 14 people in the company. It's teaching sales marketing to basically North European entrepreneurs, like coaches, consultants, and experts. And yeah, today we have a revenue this year will reach 1.8 million euros. So that's $2 million and, yeah. and we have Fantastic. a good profit. So it's a good business. I'm living on a beach. Yeah. Yeah. You, where you, where are you? You said again, you're, I know you're in Vietnam. I was saying I was in Da Nang. You're Hoi An? I'm Hoi An. Yeah. yeah Hoi An. I think that's, isn't that three hours from Saigon? A drive? No. I have to look, have to look up the map. It's more. It's just it's just 25 minutes from Da Nang. Oh, that's so. why I know it. Wait, you're in the beach stop. Like the volleyball tournaments are all there. At the yeah. I've been. I know exactly where you are. We okay. I've I used to come there every weekend. We used to go, what is the name? There's the one place on the beach. They always have the um, volleyball tournaments there. On Bang Beach? Yeah, 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 yeah. We were man, we were neighbors. I didn't realize that. I thought you were further south or further north. I, I was like, Hoi An, I know that. Because we traveled around. We spent two and a half years in Vietnam and traveled around. But Hoi An, just outside of Da Nang. Yeah, I, Vietnam is a fun. If you're an expat, Vietnam is a great 
if you're laptop class, Vietnam is a great, it can be a great, can be, I should say, it can be a great place to live. So, all right, let's hop into this because you've talked about a couple of things that I think are really powerful. So first off, you don't scale, but with a team of 13 something people, you're doing almost 2 million US. How is that possible? Are you selling million dollar things? I'm selling high ticket offer or right. I'm selling more like helping people. So I'm, yeah, so the the cheapest thing we're selling is a four months mentoring program for 6k euro so that's maybe it's around 6k dollar also and then the most the most sales we got from our one-year program which cost 12k or 15k depending on if they payment plan or not and then we also have a freedom to have mastermind with the highest end and that's for yeah basically entrepreneurs who have over 250k per year in revenue and our online entrepreneurs, they need to have the revenue from online business, like coaches, consultants, and experts, and want to scale up to one, two, or three million uh, dollars. Uh, so the so we have product for twenty five k, and we also I'm also doing some one to one thing and doing more packages with tech services. So we also have a tech team, so we can do Facebook ads, YouTube ads, and also building funnels. And these packages make it more. Yeah, more scalable. And what I figured out the last year, so when I started up, we were selling programs for $1,000 and all this thing. And I figured out that you always need to hunt new clients when you do that. So I was in strategic coach and I guess that Dan Sullivan. So I was in his mentoring group for a couple of years ago. And the one thing that took me there, I was shocked because I come into this mentoring group and I was asking, are you new in this group? No, I'm not. And then I said, okay, so how many, how long time have you been there? This was a one year program. Oh, I've been in this program for 15 years. I was like, 15 years. And I asked someone else, how long have you been there? Seven years. And how long have you been there? Nine years. And I start to, this kind of changed my mindset about how I should sell things because now I'm more thinking about how can I get long-term clients? Because right. also it's like yeah, average order value will increase. I don't need to hunt new clients anymore. And it's got more stability. And also I'm not stressing that you need to get all these sales in every month. Yeah, so that's, what I'm doing and also looking for and also when it comes to helping people I think this is a big lesson for everyone that will yeah are. yeah so helping people do you know so here's the thing if you want to help entrepreneurs that are making or if you want to help someone that are making a lot of money or have a big impact or whatever it is if you're helping more successful people to reach the next level it's so small things you need to help them with before the investment is good. So it's easier to really get a client that pay you a year yep. to really be successful than helping people that pay you 6K a year. Because the 6K, they, for, first of all, they expect much more or the, and they can't do things by themselves. A guy, a person who have a good business or a good life or it could be whatever. If you're also... A, help coach or training coach it's better to help someone who are on a high level when it comes to work out than helping people starting up because they are a high level they are they, they are there because they are listening and they're doing stuff and it's and it's small changes it's like this tony robbins talk about this two millimeter that it's a change and that's a lot of the clients that i have that are paying me a lot it's just this two millimeter but just that two millimeter can just one thing. I have many times this is happening. One small thing that I'm helping a client with, they say, oh, this was worth the investment. I can do 50 of them in a year. Right. So we see, and that's also why I keep them. So I am a big fan of high ticket offer, but also high ticket offer for the right people that really appreciate what they're doing. And, and you don't need to do so much for them to really see that it's valuable. 
Yeah, I love that. And you're right. It's easier to help someone that's making a million dollars add an extra hundred thousand than to help someone at zero make their first hundred thousand. If they haven't tested the product, if they haven't found product market fit, if they don't have product market founder fit, they might have product market fit, but they might hate their clients or just hate the industry. And now you got to try to get them to get the business to their first six figures. That can be really tough. But the value is that for the skill set that they have, those people are real movers and shakers. So now I have a question. I want to leave this. So a couple of recaps. First off, high ticket is great. You're talking about doing long-term, playing long-term games with long-term people. I think that is fantastic. Not only is it better for you, better for the clients, but also helps you have a better view of the entire customer journey versus just this one sale. And I think that is an important lesson for everybody. Even if you install pools, what does someone need after they have a pool? Maybe they need patio furniture. Maybe they need landscaping. Maybe they need swimming lessons. Maybe they need a monthly maintenance package for their pool, right? Maybe they need an appraiser to help up the value of their house so they can take out the money that they need to reinvest in something else. There's so many things that you can help people with. And I really love that long-term view. Now, I know just from the research we did about you, you're big on webinars. Can you speak? Why a webinar? Heading back to building a relationship, I think everything is about sales and marketing. It's about how to find the right company, the right personality, the right person view. Because you, you can be an expert in something or you can be good at something. You can have a perfect product. But if people doesn't feel like yeah, people are buying from people. People are not buying the, a product. They're buying because they like a person. Right. And I am a typical example on this because I think the easiest way to sell to people uh, or the easiest people to sell to is salespeople. Because sometimes if I get someone who are really good at sales and really do the things I talk about, build relationship, ask the right question, I can buy even if I don't need it because I'm like, wow, this was a great experience. Yeah, I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm looking more at the experience than what I really need. But on the other hand, if it's something I really need and someone are treating me bad, I'm like, I'm not buying it even if I need it. Um, I remember one story one time when I was going to buy a new iPhone. I don't know. This is like five, six years ago. And and I am a gadget freak. So I always find try to find a reason to buy a new gadget, like a new phone or whatever it is. And again, it's need to be emotionally emotional thing also. Not only that I want a new thing. Um, so I go into the shop and I ask this guy, I, I want a new iPhone and or I'm looking for a new iPhone. I don't know if I want to buy it, but I want to hear with you. What What is the change? What is different? And he started to talk about, I think he started to talk about the screen, how good it was to play on this new iPhone. And first thing, I, I don't play so much. I'm not doing that. I'm using my iPhone to work. So we was talking 20 minutes about it and I get pissed because he didn't ask me one question. Why are you interested? And they said, oh, we see why are you interested in a new iPhone? He didn't ask me. He just talked about playing. So yeah. I went out from the shop without buying it because I was pissed and think like, why could you not ask me a question about just give me, give yourself a second to listen to what, why I need it and you can sell it to me. So I went out from the shop. I took a coffee. I was sitting there. I was angry because I really want this uh, iPhone, but I don't want to buy from this guy. And I ran into the shop again. And I found another salesperson and I asked the same. And I, I went to over to him and he did a great job and I ended up buying it. So, yeah. So I think like webinars, the reason for that is it's easy to build a relationship. They will see you, they will hear you, and they will also be engaged in it. Just watching a video where I talk about a product is like, there's no engagement. So I see that, yeah, webinar is like also qualifying people because I can qualify them. I'm like down to earth. I'm not going in dress and suits and all this thing. I'm not like, I'm trying to be like a 
normal human being and i'm not like uh, i'm quite casual i'm not taking on so if people are looking for a coach or a mentor that goes with the suit and uh, and dress and tie and all this thing and they look at me on a weed and they say like this that guy doesn't do that if they don't like that i talk about things that are not super successful with i'll talk about my life if they don't like that they will go to someone else i think or i know that webinars is really the screening about getting the right client that you really want to work with and also you can help and also it's a relationship part from the client they feel like they know you and like when i talk with people or i meet them the first time or whatever i feel i know you for ages because i've seen 70 of your webinars or 30 or listen to your podcast so it's more like they get a human relationship with mm. me so i've you like been webinars too as a way to get people to get to know you is there are you always doing live in small groups do you ever do automated or large events with hundreds of people yeah, we are doing kind of both. We changed. Uh, so we we have done a lot of live webinar and we're really good at it. But And then I figure out that again, to scale, I think it's important to have something evergreen. So we started, tried evergreen over the last five years, but we never get it to work really good because we are so good at live. So the result was three or four times better. But then I decided last year that uh, I need to get these evergreen things to work. And, uh, and now we are doing 80% is evergreen. So everything is recorded and we are honest with it. We write that this uh, a session we did before, but still 80% of the participants think this is a live webinar because we have. So one thing that I figure out, I changed a lot for me when it comes to evergreen. I started... The reason it didn't work for me was like I tried to run it every day, for example, and also run it on demand because I was thinking that was smart. Yeah. But what I realized after a time that if it's on demand, if they can see it, if it's three choices every day to look at it, the people were registered. I think, oh, I saw that it was three other options. Maybe I can see the rest tomorrow if something happened. And um, so what we have figured out for us is like running auto webinar or evergreen webinar once a week. So they're registers because that's what we did before. We did once a week. So we figure out that if you try to do it as, if you have success with live webinar and think about how can I do the evergreen as as possible that uh, your live webinar. So uh, if, if you do it every day, you don't have the, the emails before and there's nothing to wait for and you don't do it. Yeah, one way that the big change is just try to do it like a live webinar. Try to do what you are successful from before, but do it evergreen. And of course, it saves us a lot of time. It saves us a lot of stuff. It saves us a lot of stress. And it also gets more predictable income because with live webinar, we can have one voice really good and it was like on fire. And the next week, maybe it was not in a good mood. And I think people need to understand that doing webinars is like performing. It's like a sport. You're going out there. And, and if you're going to run 100 meters, I really prepare for that. And if you have a bad day, if you feel sick or something like that, you're not running so fast. The same with webinar. If you're not mentally ready for doing a webinar it's a performance thing you will not get the same result but if you have an evergreen webinar that you perform really well on and you do that into or a live webinar that you perform super good at and you do that into an evergreen webinar you will have success with it is there a recommended framework or structure you could give to someone who's getting started with webinars in terms of how to structure and do a webinar because you mentioned something like engagement is important but in an evergreen it can be tough to do engagement what do you recommend yeah. Not really, but uh, what I recommend, I think the most important thing with webinars is like people are normally thinking about, oh, I need to deliver so much content. 
because I need to show them that I'm really good at this or they need to get something for free. The problem with, if I'm going to teach you, for example, a webinar and I say, okay, so here's the five steps you need to do in a webinar. Step one, do this. Step two, do this. Three, step three, do this. And I'm doing this in a marketing webinar. That I'm doing this because I want more clients. People think, okay, I'm going to try these five steps now. And if it works for me, then it's great. If it doesn't work for me, maybe I'll come back and buy something. So if you're giving people something they need to try out before they can take a decision, you're doing something wrong with a webinar. Mm -hmm. So that's the most important thing. You should never give them things that they can test out and things they will check out if this is working for me. Because in your client's mind, this was a great tips. And if this works, I really want to work with Daryl, but I need to check if it works first. If it doesn't work, I don't want to work with him. So one thing that I say is what is the one thing that you... One thing that your clients or your, if you have a webinar, what is one thing that they need to believe after a webinar that they didn't believe before? So if you just think about, I'm going to build up a webinar around one thing they need to believe after a webinar they didn't believe before. So for example, if it was, let's say that I was going to have a webinar about webinars and, t- and convince you that lie or evergreen webinar really works. One thing that I can do is I can show all the results that we have with clients that are doing Evergreen webinar. I'm telling stories about it, what they did before and what kind of results they get and how do we, uh, what changed it because they tried it before and telling all these stories about people didn't succeed with Evergreen webinar, but now they are. If I convince you on that, oh, no, I believe that Evergreen webinar can work. But in the end of the webinar, thinking, but I need help with all this stuff because this was a lot of things that I needed to go through. And then they are ready to buy from you. So it's all about to convince something about they don't believe in. So for example, if I have a webinar about teaching coach and consultant, I'm my target audience is coaches, consultant, and experts that have an offline business today, or maybe start online business, but they, they want more freedom. They feel still they are using too much time on things. So I'm thinking about these people, like they think that the only way to do this is to meet clients, go to offices, cold calling to get clients or do reference sales. They don't believe that online marketing will work for them. So one thing that I need to convince them on about online marketing is the way to go. Here is the result. So I'm t- so it's more about showing showcases and many things like things like thinking about testimonials are not content. But if you make it like a story, because stories sells, facts tells. So if you just think about the storytelling, and a webinar should basically be a long story about things, or it should be uh, stories after stories and stories, because that's keep the engagement. People love stories. So we can have webinars without any real do this content, but still they are really inspired because the main thing with a webinar, it should inspire them to take action. And if they don't work with you, they should at least take action to find someone else to work with, or they should start to take action on what they need to do to succeed, what they're not doing now. Yeah. I don't know. I love if that. So let me recap. So you're saying that if the goal of the webinar is to get clients, it should be less about teaching something and it should be more about telling stories of people that have the result that they want. Is that fair? Is that accurate? And having stories like this hero story thing, having stories about how much they were struggling before. What was the same with me? I can tell stories about myself. For example, we start to teach doing. So one of my, as I said, super skills is to doing sales. So for around one, one and a half year ago, someone come to me and saying, Patrick, you should try to do high ticket sales without sales calls. 
And that was like coming to me and thinking, oh, if I start to do that, I'm taking out my super skills. So right. it's like super skills is really to do phone call. And that was that teaching. But I learned one thing like entrepreneur to really scale and get to the next level. Listen to people who have done something, even if you don't think it's possible, if you don't believe in it and it really mm. hurts your feelings, try it out. So we start to do that and I tried out to do this without, without sales call. So I can tell the story about my story about, I didn't believe that you can do high ticket without sales call. And then I can say, for example, over three last month now, I get 15K sales without any contacts at all. They just bought it online. And they just send me a message after I bought it and say, Patrick, I joined your mentoring program. And I, I didn't believe that for one and a half year ago, that was possible, but now I know it. So that could be a story to saying you don't need sales calls anymore for doing high ticket sales. So it sounds like you really need to know who your target market is. You can tell stories that are relevant to them. And if you tell yeah. the right stories, the right attraction story and the right sales story, so to speak, that, so I, I don't know what you do or don't know about me. My claim to fame is helping coaches, consultants, and gurus and I didn't really know this about us when we first did our meet and greet, but I've helped coaches, consultants, and gurus do automated webinars to make millions of dollars. I'm not doing that now per se as like a thing, but that's mm -hmm. why I was so fascinated by this because there is a big difference between live and evergreen. And some of the tips were things like, we first, like you mentioned, you don't tell them it's not live, but you don't tell them it's live. You don't mislead or lie to people. And then the other thing was exactly like you said, for us, we would do it every Saturday and it was just an automated launch, the emails. And if somebody joined on a Tuesday, they would not get the Monday email because that email is left. So you have this sequence of follow-up and if they can maybe see those resources where they go, but I love that. I love that so much. And I love the storytelling because that's the tech of this stuff typically isn't so hard for people to figure out. It's really being able to put together a presentation that is both compelling and leads to the sale. And I think that what you gave here for his tips is just, really fantastic talking about what is the one thing they need to believe that they didn't believe before. And that belief should lead into they need X. Why do they need X and what is it going to do for them? And then telling it through stories and case studies versus showing up and saying, Hey, here are the five tips to X. And then a big pitch at the end. Is that a fair yeah. statement? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I totally agree with it. So. Yeah. What are some of the biggest mistakes people making? When it comes to automated webinar, is that or, sure. or, or no, I think the biggest mistakes people are doing they are is what I said is like delivering too much content in the webinar. Also, of course, rushing it, they think no one likes sales. So whether it comes to selling your product or selling the next step, it could be like they want to apply to work with you. It could be booking a call. It could be selling a program directly. But when it comes to selling that, you're not enough enthusiastic because people are like that. If I am not enthusiastic about my own offer, if that's a free call, if that's an apl uh, application that they can apply to work with me, or if it's selling something, something on the webinar, if I'm not super excited about that, if I don't think that this is life-changing for them, if I don't believe that, how can I convince them? I, I think the, a lot of people, I can tell a story about this because for four or five yeah it's it's six years ago that was the first time i was trying to do webinars outside norway where i was living so we went to vietnam that's also why i believe or not because it was like a accident so we went to vietnam in the south of vietnam Mune. i think you know where it is where yeah, it is. yeah yeah we've been there we rented a house there for four weeks and i was just going to test to do webinar each week to just see if it works from for example asia to do and live from another place so this was like a test on trying to 
And I had done this webinar maybe 10, 15 times every week before I went down to Vietnam. And I, I was going to do it four times more. And I was sitting with Maria, my girlfriend, before I was going to do this webinar and saying, oh, today I just want to... I don't want to follow the script. I just want to see, maybe I'm finished after 30 minutes. Maybe I will use three hours. I don't know, but I'm just going to follow the flow. I'm going to be really in the flow, have fun. I'm going to have a lot of interaction. I'm just like, yeah, do that. And I start to do this. And the webinars in that time was normally one and a half to two hours I was using. So I started with this webinar and I just had a lot of interaction. I just had fun. I was playing with the audience. I was asking questions. I was having this thing. And normally on that time, I was selling to 10%. I was selling a thousand dollar program to 10%. And I used three hours and 40 minutes on this webinar. People was there, they didn't leave. And in the end, I sold to 24% of the people that joined the webinar. That's and wild. that was uh, and, and I'm telling this story because many look at the time. They're like, I promised them one and a half hour. Yeah. And if they deliver one, half, uh, one hour and 15 minutes uh, content, and then they have 15 minutes to pitch it, they rush through it. And they, oh, I need to keep it. But just, So I say, I tell everyone, hey, don't think about time. People will leave if they need to leave. If they're interested, they will be there. So we can just tell them, I'm finished with the content. Now I'm going to pitch you something. And if you're not interested in hearing what I can offer you or how I can help you to the next level, leave. If you want to be here, stay. And just continue, stay there. So I'm thinking like this, if I have 50 people in the end of the webinar, after maybe 500 would register and I have 50 left, there's 50 people who are like, Patrick, I want to buy a product, but you yeah. need to push me over the limit. Please give me that last little tip. So you need to continue on pushing sales because they want it. They're looking for it. They just want the last, last thing Like they're saying, okay, yes, I'm convinced now. No, I want to join it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just writing down. The more you tell, the more you sell. I agree with that wholeheartedly. So the most successful webinar that I've ever done, and not that this is a competition, but for me, in my experience, the most successful webinar we did was six hours long. And yeah. that's why we did it on Saturdays, because when else are you going to invite people to a six hour event? You can't do it on Monday to Friday. Sunday, people want to get ready. Like, like they want to relax. Saturday, 10 a.m. was like the only nine or 10 a.m. I can't remember, but this is this is like 2014, 15 now. But that was this. It was a six hour event. It was like a telethon like that. It wasn't. I, I don't know if the same webinar would work today because it was a different time of the Internet. But I, I just love what you're saying so much that you just people will tune in. They'll tune out. They'll come back. They'll go. And, and don't be afraid to talk about how you can help them. You really got to believe in what you do. I think that is a really fantastic thing. So yeah, so there's no guideline for time. Is there a certain amount? Like when you did that three hour, 40 minute one, how much of that was Q&A after the core content? I would say maybe 20 minutes, something oh, like that. Okay. So oh, okay. The rest was maybe just 20, 25 minutes. But, the but again, I had a lot of interactions. I answered questions under the webinar also. Uh, uh, so, so I just, and I pushed a question back. I'm doing that a lot in webinar. Is there anyone else who knows the answer on this question? I'm trying to, I, I, I mean that, or I'm seeing it on other webinars, more engagement we have with the audience. And also when you say that you cannot do this uh, everywhere, we are using a live webinar that we did it and people are, we are asking questions and they are answering in the chat, but even in the chat. Ah, yes. So, so they, believe, good... yeah, yeah. they believe that it's live. So they are answering and we can, we also have, yeah. Chat. So I can use yeah. Slack, for example, I'm always on Slack. So I, I'll see all the comments that are coming into Slack. And if I want, I'm not doing it, but I have clients who are doing it. If I want, I can go in and answer live. So right. they feel that there is interaction, but I'm not doing it because I, I don't want, or I want yeah. to. <laughs> That's why I'm doing everything.
Yeah, I, that's such a great. So for people that don't get, this is such a good tip. Talking about when, you know, the doing the scaled the Evergreen webinar like it's the live. And so something that is not maybe clearly understood just from him saying that, it's just such a good tip though, is that maybe if you're new, he's already mentioned this a couple of times, like he was already doing the webinar every week live to a small group of people. And then I think how I would recommend is you do it live, small groups of people, high interaction, you iron it out, you have something that works, that fits, then you start promoting it more so your groups get bigger and bigger. Because what happens is that first you have to get it dialed in and know which questions to ask and what order and all that. You got to have a, a group, you got to be able to sell one-to-one for you can sell one-to-many. And then when you can sell one-to-many, then you got to get comfortable and do it enough that you do it really well. And then you need to have a big enough group on a live webinar that when you record it and you show it to other people, they know it's a big group and they're not expecting personal attention. Because if you record a webinar with you and two people and you use that for your automated evergreen, people that comment and chat, they're going to be, un- they're not going to know why they're not getting direct personal attention. And that's the un- unspoken lesson here in this is that it's a buildup. It's I do it with one and then I do it with two and then I do it with five and then I do it 10, 15 and then I do a big event and I get 50 people on there. And if it was a good result, I'll use that recording because then it's big enough. You've hit a critical mass where people know and they can feel like there's a lot of people here on this. And that's just a fantastic thing. And that's one of the most powerful forms of leverage we have right now is code and media. And that's a way for you. This is like the origin of advertising. Originally, we were all not door-to-door salespeople. And then someone figured out that, hey, I can take my pitch and write it down and deliver it in the mail. And that was Mm. the original advertising. And then it just evolved from there. And this has been a great call. There's so much nuance and good details in this. Even talk about how you love high ticket. Elon Musk, before he tried to make a $30,000 electric car, he sold an overly expensive for fun project to get the, what was it? The Roadster or something, super fast car, right? And he sold high ticket and he continued to sell high ticket until economy of scale and infrastructure was built that he could create a cheaper product for people. And so that's counterintuitive. Everybody wants to come in and be the cheapest, but if you're the cheapest, there's no one preventing anyone else from coming in and being cheaper than you. So Mm -hmm. you find a way to provide the value first and then try to find a way to provide it at scale for less. I think that's a powerful lesson in here leaning into sales, telling more stories. And then I really think that you've got, you like the, the talk about the webinar, building relationships, following up, having an interest in your customer and client. That was something else you said that I think was really powerful. And then also looking for long-term clients, that it's not just about the one-time sale. It's about the lifetime of helping them in this subject matter. That's a real powerful one too, for a lot of people. And then when you do the webinars, engage with people, ask them why they're interested in this, right? Be honest. And also great tip is don't do it daily on demand. When people can tell it's a simulated live, have a specific date time. So it's event-based. So that means, especially if you give a special offer, special deal, there's real urgency that why it will go away. And yeah, get them results in advance on the thing. Don't give them homework to do and figure out and then come back and figure out they want your thing. It all needs to be in that moment on that event. And there's no time limit. It just needs to be as long as it needs to be to give a compelling, powerful, informative, enthusiastic kind of storytelling session that hopefully transforms lives and makes sense for why they would need your thing. Did I miss anything? Is there anything I should have asked you I haven't asked you? No, I was just thinking about this time thing because I 
when you said it, I, because I have many, many want to start to do webinars or doing sales from all and they're saying like, yeah, but my people are so busy. They can't listen to yeah. two, three hours. And I'm saying, hey, look at me. I'm super busy. My calendar is full all the time. I'm like, and I'm really protecting my time. If I see a webinar that really can help me with a problem I have, I can fix three hours in my schedule mm. because it's so important for me. So people forget this. They think, oh, no, my audience is CAO. My audience is busy entrepreneurs. My audience is busy family members. It's my, always they're thinking like, oh, my audience are so busy, so they can't listen to it. But, mm. but I believe that if things are really urgent, if things are really, it's a, again, you're solving a problem. If the problem is big enough, they will listen. If the problem is big enough and they understand, you can really help me to solve this problem. They will stay there. Even if they have some things that are coming up, someone will move it and they see it's uh, important. So yeah, I think, don't think about doing it short for audience. Do the things and there's no, there's no like you have to do it three hours or two hours or one hour or something. Someone are good enough to doing one hour's webinar or even 45 minutes. But the most cases is longer webinars helps better. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really well said. And something else that you said that may have eluded people is that your webinar needs to have promised a specific outcome, meaning it needs to be promising specific answers to specific questions. You're talking about the problem that you solve. So vague, general, broad scope, overarching theme, improve your life. That's not going to get attention from people because it's not tangible. It, it Ideally, it wants to be a specific problem and something that they could taste, smell, or touch. Put more cash in your pocket is a more powerful headline than grow your income. Because I can't touch, taste, feel, grow my income. But I know what it feels like to have more cash in my pocket, right? So that's an important, that's an important tip too. Yeah. Yeah. Peter, this is this has been such a good call. You've given so much value. I love this topic. You've got me excited about webinars again. You really have. I'm like, <laughs> we're gonna hang up off this. I'm gonna get working on my next one. Yeah. I appreciate you. If people want to learn more and find out or they want to get in touch and connect with you, where should they go? They can go to awesome.com, like awesm.com, my webpage, and, and contact me there. Or they can find me on, my name is Petra Eric, so they can find me on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn and just send me a message if they yeah, want to know more about what we are doing now. And I also think there is an uh, automated webinar on our webpage, so we can look yep. at it and see if the content fits. If we, if we, as I said, yeah. We are not for everyone. We are for someone thinks that we are too down to earth and things like that. But we are ourselves and attracting the people that like to be like we are and like to be how I like to live my life. Yeah. Yeah. A ton of respect. So the website URL is awesm.com. Awesome. Awesome.com. Awesm.com. Or you can look them up on LinkedIn. It's P E T E R I K. N-Y-V-O-L, Peter Eric Nivol. So thank you again so much, Peter. It has been an honor and a pleasure. I'm going to hit you up when we come back to, to Vietnam. I don't know why I like had a brain fart there and where Hoi An was. We would go and hide there from the COVID lockdowns when we were in Vietnam. Because you guys, you guys had, like they were just going crazy everywhere in Hoi An. We're not playing that BS. We're not down with that. The beaches are open. The restaurant's open. Come on by. And we'd sneak through that checkpoint all the time and get through there. So uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time, spent a lot of time in Hoi An. I wish I could remember the restaurant's name, but we will follow up. Thank you so much. I know you got your own following. Thank you. And yeah, great question, by the way. You yeah. know, really good question or good podcast also. Thanks, yeah. Man. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Cool. Great to talk with you.